Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What is crackalacking on the Knoxville I am Dan Valley coming at you without my fantabulous co-host Adam Frommel. This time I am, however, super pleased and excited to be joined by Keith Smith. Follow him on Twitter at Keith Smith NBA. If you don't already, I'm sure that you do. He, uh, he has 88 plus thousand followers. He is a contributor for Spot Track, Celtics blog, also hosts the Front Office Show. Check them out on Twitter at Front Office Show, uh, spelled exactly as it sounds. We get into our biggest questions for all eight eliminated NBA playoff teams. We recorded it on Thursday morning. Uh, there was no basketball on Thursday, so there's nothing that we said that should be incredibly outdated unless there's more news about the Dylan Brooks uh, verdict after what happened with Gary Payton the second. We get into the Ben Simmons injury, talk a whole bunch of cool stuff. I think you'll enjoy the show. Very quickly, my usual housekeeping notes. Please, please, pretty please with Sugar on Tops. Continue rating, reviewing, and subscribing to us wherever you get your podcast. If this is your first time checking us out because you're such a loyal fan of all the things that Keith does and, and does them fantastically, consider throwing us that permanent subscription. We try and do an extremely thorough job and fair job of covering the NBA at large while not being too serious. Never taking ourselves too serious is the rule around here. Follow us on all the socials, Twitter, and TikTok are at Hardwood Knox. Instagram is at Hardwood underscore Knox. Check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com, search Hardwood Knox. We are going to come up and then join our Discord, the link to which is in the podcast description, just like our YouTube channel and just like all our social accounts. They can be found in there as well. Without further ado, let's get to talking about our biggest questions for every eliminated NBA playoff team heading into the offseason with Keith Smith. Keith! Thank you so much for coming back on the Hardwood Knox podcast. It's always a pleasure to have you around. The playoffs are in full swing, obviously, and getting super intense, but we're here to talk about the offseason because those teams matter too. But first and foremost, how the heck are you? I'm doing great. Hey, you know, I'm psyched to start talking offseason. This is, I was just telling someone the other day, I said, this is a really fun time of year because we're both, there's great basketball every night, minus this 
tonight, Thursday. Like, I don't know what the league was doing with no games. Come on now. Can't leave us high and dry like this. We're not like ready having, for that. Like the Celtics <laughs> and uh, yeah. Bucks play game two on Tuesday and then not game yeah. three until Saturday and Phoenix and yeah. um, Dallas play twice before. That's so bizarre. Right. Yeah. The whole thing is weird. But anyway, it's you get great games just about every night. And then I'm also deep in off season prep work. I'm starting to learn these guys who are going to be in the draft class. Like all of it's kind of coming together. And it's, I love this time of year for that. It's extremely busy, but it's like the best kind of busy. Yeah, I'm totally with you. And it's even better after the first round because I get super frazzled trying to keep track of every single first round game. Yeah. Uh, and then in addition to doing like the off season prep work, which is definitely <laughs> yep. not as extensive what you're doing, but the first round of the playoffs is probably when I'm at my most like that and may- maybe the trade deadline, but I'm at my most frazzled. I love those two weekends where we get like eight games between Saturday and Sunday. But by the time we're like to that, like fourth game on Saturday, like I'm dragging, like I'm really yeah. having a hard time staying awake. I'm here on the East coast. So if that, if that fourth game isn't tipping off to like 10, 10 30 at night, I, I'm, I'm struggling to get to it. And then, then Sunday, like I make it through those first two. And sometimes I hope that that third one's kind of not that good. Cause I, the, I, I, I would, I'm, I'm man enough to admit, I might fall asleep in the recliner every once in a while. Oh, it's happened to me during the, it's normally on the Sunday nights, like that fourth game. And I'll, I'll get mad if the game isn't good and I committed yeah. to, to watch <laughs> yeah. it. Like I will be, I will feel personally affronted if that happens. Yeah, I, I hear you. We did a, uh, a live show for game two of Phoenix Dallas uh, through, through playback, which was a lot of fun. Um, we did a live uh, version of front office show Trevor Lane and I did in the game. Just, I mean, the Suns made it a clinic late. So we, I was, I was like, so this is what it's like when the real play-by-play guys have like 12 <laughs> minutes of filler that they have to do. <laughs> like, and you gotta like, sort through. I mean, thankfully, I mean, we, we were able to get away. We started talking, talking Marvel movies and all sorts of <laughs> other stuff. And I was like, all right, well, well, we, we could have a little bit of fun that these guys can't necessarily get into. Uh, and look, if you're dealing with blowouts on like a semi-regular basis, like that's even harder. Like you're yeah. going to run out of Marvel movies at some point. Oh yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. Well, I mean, we, we pretty good catalog, you know, we're pretty big fans. So we, we, we'd find something to rank, you know, so, second bananas in each movie or something like that. But yeah, but that's not what we're here to talk about. Let's, let's, uh, well, let's do, let's do this, man. I'm excited off season. Yeah. Um, I asked you to come on to tackle our biggest questions for every eliminated playoff team uh, that, you know, Hopefully their fans aren't that have recovered from their their postseason losses. I figured we could begin with alphabetical order, and so I'll throw it to you. What is your biggest question for the Atlanta Hawks entering this offseason? I I think there, it's it's kind of two, but they're they're related. It's how do they rebalance this roster a little bit as far as the cap sheet goes, but not downgrading too much in talent. I thought it was very interesting that Travis Schlank, it's funny because people made fun of him a little bit because the quote that was pulled was, we're going to try to upgrade the roster. And I was like, isn't that your job every like off season? But the real picture was when he said, we, we stood pat and we probably shouldn't have, we, we, we were okay with the status quo and, you know, we probably should have been more aggressive. And I think what's happened is now it sounds great to use all that cap space a couple of years ago as they did. And I think in general, they used it well, but then you do extensions for Kevin Herter, Clint Capella, and then the big one for Trey Young, which kicks in next year, which is likely to be the, you know, so-called, uh, you know, super max extension for him. That's, gets into a tricky spot because now all of a sudden you're very, very expensive. 
for a team that barely made it through the play-in. So that's a that's where you got to start to figure out where are we going because DeAndre Hunter's up next and all that. So I'm very curious to see how do they how do you rebalance while not going so crazy with your your cap and tax payment. Right, and they're not a team that's going to just eat all those sort of extra costs. And they Correct. do have the I think Gallinari is five million partial guarantee yeah. at twenty one point five. Um, my question was along the similar lines. And when you look at their cap sheet is how did they make everyone's like, they need to make a consolidation trade. And that comes down to sort of rebalancing the roster where it doesn't feel like their defense struggled a lot this year. It was good to close the season. It's tough to read into what happens when you close the season, but their live ball defense in particular was just bad this year. And you have Deandre Hunter probably skewed more towards disappointment than someone who made progress, but sort of like after him and Clint Capella, you have DeLon Wright, you can bring him back. But like, how do you retinker with this roster to make it better defensively? And I think it's easy for me to sit here, anyone to sit here. And I'm guilty of this doing all the time. Oh, they need to make a consolidation trade. For who? For yeah. what? When you just look at this market of who could become available, I think the name that gets thrown out a bunch is Jeremy Grant. That's not someone you consolidate into in my book. Like, you're not looking to trade John Collins and stuff for Jeremy Grant. Like, that yeah. doesn't make any sense. And so that's some of the real challenges of this roster is, can they add more defense given their flexibility? And if you think you need to make a consolidation trade, because I look at the front line immediately, I think John Collins is still wildly underrated, but between him, Clint Capella, I love Onyeka Okungu. Um, I, I love me some Jalen Johnson too. Like he played in some small ball lineups this year. I just don't know what you necessarily do, especially knowing you can't stand Pat because we just saw what happens when you stand Pat. Yeah. that That's, it's funny because I think you have to have some really uh, honest conversations in that front office as you're sitting down and mapping this out of who are we? Are we the team that made it to the East finals? Are we the team that barely made it into the playoffs or are we somewhere in between that? Like, and that's probably where the truth lies, right? They're probably not quite as bad as they looked this year. And they're probably not as good as you know making these finals, but then it becomes, where are we going? This is clearly Trey Young's team. Right. right. There's no question about that. You paid him. You, he's he, I, I didn't know right now people are beating him up because like you can't win with a guy like that and all this stuff. Well, I mean, you, you can, you just got to get the right guys around him. We've seen teams win with guys like Trey young before. And clearly they think they can, because otherwise they would not have paid him the way they did. But I think what really becomes kind of the, the question now is who are those right guys around him? Do you have the, do you have some of them already? Yeah, probably. I think John Collins is one of them. I'm with you. I've loved John Collins. I am not a big college basketball guy. I'm the guy who flies in conference tournament week. And then is like, I make all my pronouncements from there through the tournament and generally <laughs> look like an idiot. Right. But I fell in love with John Collins because I was just like, this guy's got a nice 15 foot jump shot. His form looks like it'll stand out to the three point line. He rebounds and knew, I mean, we, we, the year over year over year, it's been proven. That's the one skill that definitely translates to the NBA is rebounding. And like, I was like, this guy's just going to be good. And then that's the league and, and all those things, you know, it's one of the rare times I was like, absolutely right on somebody who got picked, you know, outside of the top five. So I really like him. I just, I find myself looking at them like, boy, I like a lot of these guys. So one thing I, it's funny saying consolidation trade, figure it out, all this stuff. I hope they don't go too far and mm-hmm. go crazy making moves. Cause I think a lot of it is like it was for a lot of teams this year. 
better health, less games missed due to COVID stuff. And you're probably right back, you know, kind of in, in the mix in the middle of the East uh, playoff picture versus, you know, being a true top tier team, but they're better than they looked last year. So just don't go crazy trying to, you know, well, we got to tear it all down and reset and rebuild. Cause I think that's going too far. I'm totally with you. And I'm also just curious as to like, maybe I'm way off here, but it feels like you could move Clint Capella and improve the roster more so than upgrade from John Collins. And that's what's tough for me to wrap my head around because Collins all of a sudden was thrust in this role where he couldn't be the primary screener once you had Capella. And he adapted to it. The way he moves off the ball, a little bit of a floor game shooting. I know Clint Capella is better defensively, but he feels like the player that would be easier to replace as much as I hate to say it. And I also just don't know who are you getting if you're featuring either of them in a trade? And I don't want to talk about this scenario too much because we will get to this team in particular. Like, are you one of the people that falls into the camp of like Clint Capella, build out the package from there and go after Rudy Gobert and that does enough for you? Or do you still sort of sort of fall into some of the same problems you have where Rudy Gobert is a generational rim protector and defender. He's an mm-hmm. upgrade from um, Clint Capella, clearly. But like, you're not, while acquiring Rudy Gobert, like you're still not addressing some of your live ball defensive issues on the perimeter yeah i i so there's a lot to unpack there i think the first part i would say is i'm with you with the i would keep collins over capella too and i think there is almost a sense of well what collins does as a four is very replaceable you can replace it with a smaller player bigger minutes for deandre hunter whatever i think what gets overlooked and i think this is what has maybe been forgotten from the prior playoff run was he actually showed he can handle some small ball five minutes in yeah. that that run to these finals. More on second units, like you can get away with downsizing there. He's, he's not somebody you're going to plug in against starters, um, uh, you know, playing small ball five because he'll just get taken advantage of. But I do think I would build that out. And I do wonder if you could build that package, Capella and something, you know, Hunter, yeah. Herder stuff. Yeah, for Gobert. I don't hate that idea because it's two things. One, I think we've seen Rudy Gobert can be pretty good as a role man and as a lob threat around Mm -hmm. the rim. Trey Young is a, he's more than willing to throw those passes um, more so than, than the Utah guards have been. I also think it's, um, you know, the the upgrade defensively is just so massive. You just got to be cautious. I wouldn't want to sacrifice too much of my wing depth to go get that because I think that's, the single hardest thing to find is quality wing depth in the league right now. You can find bigs, you can find guards. It's just the, those true wings that can kind of play on both ends. That's where you, get, you can get yourself in trouble. But Atlanta's dealing with dealing from a little bit of a position of strength there because you've got Bogdanovich, Hunter, and Herter, who are all pretty good that you could move in. And you still have DeLon Wright that you can bring back. And I think, I think they could get more mileage out of Wright and Young playing together than they did this year i would like to see that that is a combo because that also allows trey young to work a little bit more off ball and i think he can be a pretty dangerous weapon i think this is just for atlanta it's now you had your good playoff experience you had your rough bounce back year now it's growing from there and growing into whatever you're going to be as kind of your fully formed version of this iteration iteration of the team uh we are the eight minutes on the team are up but you mentioned something that i wanted to throw to you really quickly do you think that the players that are on this team will allow Trey Young to be off the ball next season. And it feels like this will be the third consecutive offseason in which we're wondering whether that happens. And Nate McMillan, I think, mentioned something about it in the exit interview. Is this? It doesn't 
I think you could get better personnel so that you could move Trey Young off the ball, but this doesn't necessarily feel like a case of they have Bogdanovich, even Kevin Herter, like in Delon, right? Like that's enough. It's just it doesn't feel like they tried it, whether that's coaching or Trey Young's, you know, functional proclivities. I don't know, but I'm just curious to see are they gonna do anything with a move or a transaction in terms of adding players, or is this just we have to commit to it next season to try it? Yeah, I think it's I I think just general this is an opinion i've had for a little bit now and it's kind of been formulating for a couple of years i think when somebody wants to play a, a really dominant offensive player off ball one of the things is it tends seems to be to make it work you have to have a big that can really pass um, because that's generally how you open up a lot of that stuff he pulls the other big away and that just opens up that screening action cr- removes that clutter as that player tries to work themselves open um, Atlanta doesn't really have that but I, I think you can still get there you just have to be really deliberate about the way you're going to design those sets and actions to do that and I think you could get a lot out of you know hey let use Trey Young as a screener for a guy like Herder because then you put you're stressing the defense there because Herder's a really good shooter um, or Bogdanovich because because if you switch it and he gets a smaller guy, he'll just take that guy down, back him down, and shoot the, the jumper over top of him. So that's where I think you could get a lot more creative. It just you got to have somebody to deliver that pass. But whether that's DeLon Wright, maybe you could put a little bit more on Collins' plate to do those kind of things. I do think that is something you have to figure out because I think that's the best way to unlock and make the game easier for Trey Young as well. Just imagining Trey Young setting screens. Hopefully he's better at those than defending uh, screens. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, yeah, I mean, teams are just going to kind of you know blow through him almost like he's a ghost, right? Because it's going to be like, wait, was there the screen there? I didn't feel like <laughs> I will say it does seem like his game would be more scalable in that regard offensively than if you tried to use Luca or ever James Harden yeah. in that type of role yeah. where people compare him to them so often. I do feel like there's a little bit of a difference there based off the mm-hmm. way he shoots and the way we've seen him move. And I don't want to be the millionth person to make the Steph Curry comp here, but they get a lot out of Steph setting really crappy screens and slipping them because the defense is so worried about where he's going to go and whether that, I mean, over the years, but again, that's with Draymond facilitating from the top where it's, you know, he's setting those for Clay Thompson. And now if you're defense, it's like, well, we're in a crappy spot either way on this because we straight switch it. Thompson's going to shoot over. Curry gets the advantageous matchup and those, those things. But that's where I do think you can get a little bit more of that stuff. Just more, more than Trey young handling the ball 40 feet from the basket into yet another pick and roll, like just get, get a little bit more creative with your offense to find some more variants. In true Hardware Knox form, we're already a couple minutes over <laughs> on the first team. I imagine this next team, both of us are going to have some variation of the same question, but the Brooklyn Nets, what is your biggest question for them? It, for me, it's can they build a quality roster with depth, with proven playoff performers? around Durant and Irving and they've they clearly have fallen short on that I think two years in a row yes I realized they were you know Kevin Durant having a smaller shoe size away from you know maybe making the NBA finals and all those things but it's this past year that really came to light and and, and I don't have a ton of interest in you know re revisiting why um they were without you know guys we all know what that is but the reality is Yes, Kyrie Irving is not going to miss games due to being unvaccinated next season, most likely, but he is going to miss time. He just, yeah. the reality always, is he's always hurt. Stuff. Yeah, there's, there's just something. stuff with him. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin Durant. Now, I think if if you get 60 to 65 games out of Kevin Durant going forward, the rest of his career, that's probably 
probably the top out maximum and quite frankly probably should be at this point because you need him ready to go come playoff time and I think he was worn down in that first round series so they gotta find ways to add good quality depth around that and then the second but biggest thing is what in the world happens with Ben Simmons yeah that was my question was about his fit and I sent that to you before we heard news that he was going to have back surgery maybe even as we're recording this that's what the update was from uh the nets uh that sucks like back injuries are fickle i want to know what happened to where he was cleared for contact on april 19th so you fast forward two and a half three weeks and now he's having back surgery um that is i hope he's okay they said the recovery timeline's three to four months i that's just you know that's an iffy timeline when you're looking at trying to get ready for training camp in the season so you have that to consider and that makes your point all the more important because if he's not ready if he's not at full strength um, if you're expecting him to miss games, death becomes all the more important. And so they will have Seth Curry going into next year. Hopefully Joe Harris is healthy. Nicholas Claxton's going to be a free agent. And he was probably after Bruce Brown, their most important defender. Hey, mm-hmm. Bruce Brown's a free agent too. Are you paying these guys? Is Joe Sy going to be annoyed that he just funneled all this luxury tax money into what was a borderline NBA lottery team? They were a playing team at this sure. point. And you mentioned even the Kevin Durant stuff. Like Steve Nash came out in, I think, December before KD's injury and said, yeah, he's playing an unsafe amount of minutes. And then he comes yeah, yeah. back, and by the end of the season, he's still playing that same yeah. type of workload. I don't I don't know what they do there. They do have some picks now and some intriguing players on that roster where they can make moves. Um, their needs are many, though, I would say. And once Ben Simmons comes back, and I don't know where you land on this, a lot of people just assume he's going to be this clean fit. I get what he does for you defensively. And because we saw what the Nets did, KD and Bruce Brown a little bit as the front court, like I have no doubt in my mind they could make Ben Simmons work and, you know, while not having too many non-shooters on the court, even though the makeup of their roster right now could make that difficult. I don't see it on offense as much as other people do. I know Ben Simmons did dunker spot stuff in Philly. Does he want to do that all the time? Are you taking the ball out of Kevin Durant and Kyrie's hands so that Ben Simmons can have it in transition, maybe sure, but in the half court, no. And we've always mentioned, and I was a proponent of when he was in Philly, why not use him as the screener more? It was something that seldom happened, so we don't know how good he is at it. And when it did happen, the numbers on it have not been pretty. So I just don't actually think that he's like this defensively sure. He will be a game changer for them. I mean, anyone who plays defense will be a game changer for them after watching that first round series. But I don't I don't know that I see it being like this happy-go-lucky, hunky-dory offensive fit maybe they figure it out but it does feel like something that could take time i completely agree and that's where this is lost time now because four months and i'm gonna go with the longer timeline because just the history (laughs) here um it is old man winter here if i had it my way it would stay winter all year long short days wind chill black ice and a good polar vortex (laughs) heaven wait is it getting warm in here your cold snap is over old man winter spring has arrived spring spring is here which means it's the perfect time to get away in the hyundai you've always wanted visit the hyundai getaway sales event where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning hyundai models like the tech-filled tucson and kona as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in, these deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. 
Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. That's not quite the beginning of training camp, but it's pretty close. And that's, my guess is that's four months before it's like, really start getting back on the court and doing their stuff. And we know teams will get together end of August, beginning of September. That's when they'll start scrimmaging and that kind of stuff. And that's when you really, you, you informally start to build all those things. And, and you, you, you said a lot of stuff that, that I'm completely there with you on is they keep hearing this. Well, they're going to put him at five. He didn't even want to play the four. And now all of a sudden he's going to be at five. Like, you know, after back problems and everything else. And, and I don't care, you know, people could say the game's, you know, soft now and all that stuff. Your five still needs to bang bodies, whether that's inside as a rim protector, that's, uh, you know, screening and all that other stuff. I've never seen them set a good screen in my life. Like, I, it's, it's never happened, right? Like, I, I can't, like, so all this stuff of, like, he's going to be this reinvented player. I also go back to, I've made it instead of a million times. Yes, his ideal role is something like what Draymond Green does for the Warriors. The the biggest single difference is there is a major, major difference between a a bad shooter and a non-shooter. Bad shooters, Marcus Smart, for the large chunks of his career, was a bad shooter. But he still had to guard him because at least every five games, he was going to have one of those seven for eight kind of nights. And it was like, now we got to get out there. Draymond's not a good shooter. The team still, you still have to guard him because he's still going to take them. And that, but with Simmons, I've seen team guys, not only do they not close out, they turn their back because they just know he's not going to do anything out there with, with the ball. And, you know, I, I always go back to when Philly played the, the minutes they would play him and TJ McConnell together. It was like, you're playing three on five on offense because neither one of those guys wants to shoot ever. Like they just don't want to. So that's where, it gets very messy. I'm with you defensively. He is the most versatile defensive player in the league. He guards, truly guards one through five, and he guards all five spots well. Um, with a full year, hopefully healthy coming back, I don't expect to see much slippage there. It's that offensive fit, though, that gets a little weird. And, and yeah, I've dreamed about the whole Kyrie, Curry, Harris, Durant, Simmons lineups because I think that could be devastating to teams i just that starts to turn into boy that's a big ask for ben simmons defensively (laughs) because like that's you know i know joe harris is better than he gets credit for but curry and Kyrie don't have a whole lot of interest on that end of the floor kd it's spotty when he brings it or not but yeah i just i'm 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 with you i don't think it's it's there in in one thing i want to go all the way back to what you said is um is josiah going to be willing to to just dump a ton more luxury tax into this team he just came out on the record and complained about how he's not happy with they didn't make money uh through the barclays center and all that stuff was a problem so i don't think this is a warrior situation where it's just just keep spending we'll keep spending and we'll well this will all sort itself out you know a decade from now i think it is he's in a situation where he's going to curb it at some point and say, Hey, this is a, you know, we're, we're done throwing good minutes after good, good money after bad. Like, like we, we, we have to, you know, sort through this and eventually that's going to cost him a player or two. And is, is that Bruce Brown or Nick Claxton? Yeah. Maybe if other teams, you know, throw the right offers their way, you know, it could, could get kind of tough to keep those guys. I'm, I'm totally with you on all those fronts. The point you made about Marcus Smart, like there's, there's value in the volume and it's why Ben Simmons 
like you can't even compare him to what Giannis does as well. Yeah, He's yeah. still been willing to take shots from the perimeter. Uh, the next team that we have up in this exercise is the Chicago Bulls. What is your biggest question for them entering the offseason? How do you find the right fits that improve your defense, but don't take away from what you were offensively? Um, I, I in, in, and I'm removing the questions of health because I, you know, I, I tend to be an optimist with those things and hopefully Ball and Levine, if Levine resigns, right? I guess that's probably the real biggest question is, is Zach Levine going to resign? Because he didn't exactly say, yep, I'm back. Yeah, let's go at his exit interview. He did leave that a little open. Uh, but that that's, that's how do you find the right defensive fits? And can you make it work with this three wing group that you're kind of playing with Pat Williams, DeRozan and, and Levine? I, I think maybe you can, but I don't know if Vucevic is the right guy to anchor the back line against that group i think i think they're they've they've got some questions that they've got to figure out um just as far as you know improving that defense enough because once it started slipping i mean it 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 fell like you know going over the edge of a waterfall or something like it was not even close like it got really bad so that's they've got to figure out a way to fix that yeah i'm i I'm trying to think, like, is Zach Levine's free agency, do you anticipate it being an issue? Just based off what they've done, I would assume that he's he is a no-brainer max player, and I don't know why at this point they would equivocate on giving it to him personally. Yeah, I I, I, I think that's more of Zach Levine saying, hey, I've never done this. Because let's remember, right, he, he, he signed an offer sheet with the Kings, and the Bulls matched it, and then that's been it for his entire career so far. He's played, you know, on those two contracts. So I think he's probably looking forward to, hey, let's, you know, hey, Lakers, there's absolutely no way you can acquire me, but sure, I'll come to L.A. and wine and dine me. You know, let's have some fun. Um, so I think there is, you know, that sense. Um, yeah, you want your guys to to – come out of a season saying, yes, I'm resigning here. I'm going to stay. But the problem is anything goes sideways with that. No one ever blames the team. Everybody rips the player and it ends up in a you know whole ugly conversation. So I want to see it get to a point for Levine where, yeah, don't mess around, resign them. You're built to win right now. If, if, could that be an issue four years, year five? Yeah, maybe. But deal with that when it comes. Get get him resigned. You you signed the throws in a ball for now, you know, for for to win right now. So you know, get get that sorted and go. Cause yeah, I, I don't I don't want that to you know be don't don't be silly about this. But it's Jerry Reinsdorf, so that can occasionally gets a little messy. My biggest question for them is because I'm just assuming exactly he's going to come back. Is do they have like the the every possession wing on their team that they need in in a playoff series whether you think that's Patrick Williams and that's an addition to Alex Caruso and Lonzo Ball or whether you think mm-hmm. it could be Io DeSumo uh, or do they have the assets necessary or the gall necessary to go out and get that guy if it's a they were linked to Jeremy Grant pretty heavily um, at the trade deadline and you look at you know they have that pick um, in the future owed to Orlando that certainly makes their trade packages a little bit more challenging and I think they might look at it from the perspective of well, what if Patrick Williams and Lonzo Ball and Alex Crusoe were all healthy the entire season I think we've seen at this point with every single team you can't just bank on getting even close to mm-hmm. to great health do you see them being aggressive and trying to get maybe more of a veteran presence on the wings or is this going to be more of a we'll pay Zach Levine and we think that our team is uh, going to be good enough as is if it's healthy yeah I was a big proponent before the injuries became too much, I thought at the trade deadline, 
they were built to trade guys, young guys, maybe even Patrick Williams, because at the time I remember he was out and missed a large chunk of the season. Do you trade him and Kobe White and something and go get Harrison Barnes, Jeremy Grant, somebody like that? I thought those guys would have been perfect fits because I just didn't think they were going to have that size come playoffs. And then, of course, they got the worst possible matchup they could in the box for them because they, they don't have anybody who could handle Giannis. And that's, I mean, breaking news, right? Team can't defend Giannis. Um, but it's, it's, you, you've got to, figure that out i want to see them get either somebody who is a true four sized guy um but you know can ideally play inside outside so like a barnes or a grant um or get somebody who's a four or five that allows you to take vucevic off the floor at the end of games and you can slide that guy over to the five and then you can scale up your lineups with ball and crusoe in the backcourt livian and DeRozan on the wing and you you know hopefully can can put together a good enough defense do you think that – I know some people have floated. I don't want to get too much into the Jazz territory, but there are people that have floated that they could upgrade from the Vooch minutes at this point at the five. And I don't want to say I'm firmly against that, but it feels like should you really be doing that when you gave up so much to get him? So now you're going to take more stuff. That's the word of this podcast. Attach it to Vooch and then try and upgrade the center spot. And, look, his you know connective passing and just volume from the outside is important when you're working with DeMar DeRozan. Um, yeah, yeah powered offense because he's not a non-shooter like he's an expert in the mid-range but he's not someone who's going to chuck a ton of threes and you also have yeah Lonzo Ball and Levine good high volume three-point shooters now you don't have the luxury of volume necessarily a lot of your wing spots Caruso's not the best shooter either and that's also something you probably need to take into account if you're going to go after that three four type player that joins you know a, a Levine and DeMar DeRozan as your primary building blocks yeah that was why I thought of like Barnes as like the perfect fit because one he is he's is arguably as plug and play a guy as there is in the league because you just put him in you're going to play the three or the four and play play defense like you do and then he's used to playing in star centric teams where he's the third guy so I, I don't that part they don't really worry too much about I like tend to look at it as you know you could fit a guy like that and Jeremy Grant I'm a little less sure of because he clearly wants to be very involved he wants to have the ball a lot so yeah but the the Vooch um yeah that that whole Vooch Gobert trade talk stuff that's out there I don't love Gobert for this team like I do some other teams just because I, I think now you've got kind of two non uh, three-point shooters in your opening group at least. Uh, you're probably best with Caruso. Now you're looking at three. That starts to get real messy. You're, you're going to really struggle, I think, to put together the best kind of offense you can um, with, with a setup like that. So I don't love that trade because it's also going to cost you more than just Vooch. It's going to cost you something else to go get that. And that's that. what is that something else? That That becomes a major question as well. I will be curious to see, and they, they look like on the sheet that I'm using, that they have enough room or wiggle room below the apron this year to use their um, full non-taxpayers mid-level. Maybe it gets a little bit tight after Zach Levine's new deal. It'll be close. Mm -hmm. I'm just wondering, based off the free agent market and how little like cap space beyond the mid-level is available, if they can use that to get appreciably better. But you also go through the list of most likely free agents, and it's like, all right, well, who is like who is that guy? And yep, it's, yep. You, you know, this year's free agency class, like I just don't see that guy. And that makes it even more challenging because it almost feels like they have to go the route of 
Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in, these deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details acquiring a wing via trade rather than hoping that free agency is enough. Yeah. Or, or you, you have to really bank that Patrick Williams is that guy and that he's going to you know c- come in and be, be there. And then maybe what you do is you, you go get a, I'm just throwing random names out here, but a, a Pat Connaughton type or a, you know, a Daniel house or somebody who can fill, fill in minutes just in case uh, Williams doesn't, doesn't pop like that. Or, you know, could they be a team that says, you know what, we're going to go with, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll look at a guy like Kyle Anderson. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can play the three and the four and, you know, we, we can fit him in and he's used to coming off the bench and he can, you know, do do a lot of different stuff or you know they, they already went down this road but did different guy now than he was before but like an auto quarter junior type you know, is that somebody we, we could make work i you know i think that ship has probably sailed on quarter side but those are the things i, I think you got to get a little bit creative with uh there and then finding a better quality backup for vooch i think is also important yeah um you're not gonna spend a ton of money on that but just somebody who can give you 10, 15 minutes a night. Cause if you overextend Vooch in the regular season, he's just not going to have enough left come playoffs. I trust me. I live in Orlando. I saw that up, up close and personal two years in a row. And you typically can get serviceable big man help yeah. on the cheap. And I mean, yeah, I don't yeah. know, like when you look at the available centers this year, there's no one that necessarily stands out as like, you know, yeah. I like a, the idea of a Nick Claxton or a Mitchell Robinson, more of the Mitchell Robinson specifically is more of a rim runner type behind Vooch, but you're not spending Let's just say he costs the mid-level. Like that's not the resource yeah. that you should be funneling your mid-level into. Exactly. Yeah. No, you're I'm looking more minimum or you know, if you give uh seven million or mid-level to a guy, then you have three of three million of it left and give that to you know a backup, you know, center. Like even if it was somebody like JaVale McGee or somebody like that, I think just you know, you can get by with that for 10, 15 minutes a night and you're you're good. And then that position is just handled and you don't have to worry about it, or you do it by get a four or five but that's really hard to find because especially uh you're not getting that in free agency not with just the mid-level available <laughs> no not at all yeah. our next team the denver nuggets what is your biggest question and is it why are the spreadsheets choosing the mvp winners <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> that's funny um yeah oh man we we could do a whole you know, we could use a whole eight minutes on that, but I won't. The awards discourse um, is just terrible. And it's LeBron James made it worse by saying that tweet that said that Jaw is basically too good to improve. I don't know if yeah, that was, was the, one of the most yeah. asinine. Just- I know that killed me because it's like, man, all you're doing is just starting fights that didn't need to be started. Um, Hashtag get this- LeBron back in the playoffs so we don't have to deal with his person. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Get I'm him sorry, back on a zero dark. 
I dirty bought mode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, shut his Twitter down again. Um, all right. So this one's really like, this, this sounds super simple and then, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe a little dumb, but can you get healthy and get Marion Porter Jr. back on track? Because if you can, you've got everything you need. You, they, 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 they are, you know, going to slot right in as one of the top Western Conference teams. It takes a lot off Jokic's plate. I'll say this. If Porter and Murray are back, Denver is a better team. Jokic may be a better player with less stats because it's just going to get spread around more. It's going to look – and people are going to be like, see, this guy was not that good. Look, they're better with these guys. Bad. And there'll be a whole stupid discourse that comes they're along. They're better with better players. Yeah, yeah right. Shocking. You know, what a <laughs> surprise. Um, but that's that's it for me because they don't have a ton of flexibility to do a lot move-wise. Um, they're going to be in the tax, most likely. Um, so it's all stuff around the edges for them rotationally and you know, probably – probably bring him back a couple guys but if you bring back a guy like austin rivers and he is your fifth guard instead of your third guard you're probably pretty good you're probably in pretty good shape so that's where i think um for the nuggets i want to see them just kind of get their guys back like they can can you get them back healthy reincorporated in the offense um in defense and just go because i think they've got everything that they need to be a really really good team yeah, they if Murray never gets injured last year, like I'm just very intrigued to see how the playoffs would have un- mm-hmm. unfolded. For me, it's there's obviously that that's in there. Look, I don't think we can count on Murray's coming back from a serious injury. Mm-hmm. We know that ACLs are not the career rumors they used to be. The yeah. Michael Porter Jr. back issues are harrowing. And so yeah. we just can't assume that he's going to be playing in a ton of games. You still get enough, even if you just have Jamal Murray on a consistent basis. It does so much for this team. I look at this team. And one of these three concerns, I think, is clearly less of a priority than the other because Murray and Porter Jr. can both be great shooters in their own right. But given the flexibility or the limited flexibility and tr- or zero flexibility that they have just because they're going to be in the luxury tax, given that um, and whatever trade assets they do have, are they able to address, I would say, at least two of the three in the sense of better point of attack defense? I think Aaron Gordon's just he's fantastic. He's, he's going to be overtaxed in that role and you need better options there. Overall shooting and then improving or at least like consistent proofing the minutes behind Nikola Jokic at the five. I like Jeff Green. I like Zeke Naji, but it feels like you need a different five option there. That should not be your top priority because Nikola Jokic exists, but those are three needs that I identify for the roster. I'm just, you know, point of attack defense is just going to be tough to find, even if you're willing to throw your whole mini mid level at someone. And I'm very curious to see if they are able to, aside from the, returns of Murray and Porter Jr., whether they're able to do anything with this roster that upgrades it or at least changes the cosmetic makeup of the rotation a little bit more. Yeah, I don't know that they can get there money-wise, especially to pull them away from Brooklyn, but a guy like Bruce Brown, I think would fit this team perfectly with what he does on offense. It's it's hard because right you have to very much believe that the forty percent three point shooting is real and scalable with more volume. Like even if it dips to thirty six or thirty seven, but on four attempts per game, that's that's you're you're good there. You're you're solid enough. He's a good cutter. He's a good passer. He can screen. He can do all their their things. I think in a way he becomes their new Gary Harris, which. Oddly enough, free agent, if you could, you know, if you want to go that route and Gary Harris is like, I'm willing to come back. But problem is they're only going to have the mini mid level. And that's, that's 
probably not enough to to do a lot there. So in in you can't you can't really work a sign and trade because you're going to be over the tax apron. So you're not even allowed. And even if you get under, it just gets very messy. So that's mm-hmm. where I start to look at if you're banking on Porter making it to 55 to 60 games, which I think would be pretty good. I, I think you you can feel solid about that. Can you trade Will Barton? Because at that point, Will Barton goes back to that six-man role. Can you trade him for you know maybe a little more defense and something that looks a little different um, for you? Really, kind of go back into that uh, you know three-guard rotation with Murray Morris and somebody, you know, whether mm-hmm. that's a terrorist type or a Brown type or something like that, I think could make a lot of sense. It's just, it's getting that move. It's a good front office. Tim Connolly does a really good job. Um, but yeah, you got to get, I'm with you. You got to get some, some, uh, you know, form of better perimeter defense out there and ideally something with a little bit of size and switchability so that it's not all falling to, all right, Aaron Gordon, just take whoever the guy is. Cause that's, he's, I like Aaron Gordon a lot as a player. I think it just gets, he gets made into this, you know, defensive stopper that he's never really been. He's a good defender, but he's not the guy you lock on to somebody and say, all right, that guy's gone. Like he's, he's out for the night. Like it's just that that's not who he is on defense. Yeah. And look, he's been, I feel like his entire, and you would know this um, being based out of Florida, just like he's feels like he's been miscast on both ends of the floor for the majority of his career, which is just wild to happen. Uh, there doesn't seem like I don't. You mentioned they have the mini mid level, and let's assume they're willing to spend it. Is that even enough to get you like Delon right? I don't know. I thought about can you? It depends on what direction this team is going to go. But do they have enough uh, asset equity to try and trade for a Contavious Caldwell Pope, someone who's going to give you more defense and then some shooting? You probably don't want him handling the ball too much, but he'll want to handle the ball a bunch mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, that seems like maybe the ceiling on a trade or signing acquisition that that they would have. And I might even think that I'm being too pipe dreamy there, but that's the, that's the player archetype that I feel this team is short of, of even with Murray and Porter Jr. Being like one of the inarguable heavyweights in the West, they should be, if they're healthy, one of the heavyweights in the West. Anyway, Nicole Jokic is just fantastic. Murray's fantastic. Uh, And there's a trickle down effect for everyone on offense, but there does need, there seems to be like, there needs to be a very real infusion of defensive talent on this roster. I think at least for the playoffs. Yeah, I completely agree. I think a sneaky target pending health and return for them could have been a guy like Gary Payton the second. I think you could really make a guy like him work there. It also weakens a team you you know in theory need to get through in the West um, because you'd be taking him away from the Warriors. I would think, considering he's made relatively nothing in his career, you know the mini mid level might be enough. Now the Warriors clearly there's no no spending cap to what they'll spend, and they could uh, you know pay him that same amount of money too. So you know that may be a challenge to pull him away because we often see guys like that when they make it, they feel that loyalty to the team that finally. Yeah like got them there and those kind of things. But a guy like him, him would make sense. If if you really wanted to change, change it up, I know, you know, he's getting a little long in the tooth and, but I think he's still got something left. You know, again, talking fourth, fifth kind of guard here, a guy like Avery Bradley, you know, could oh, yeah. maybe help a little bit, but that, but you're talking minimum signings and that's, you know, is that going to be enough guy on a minimum? I don't, I don't know, but yeah, I, that's the, the Peyton one jumps out to me. He was kind of my favorite target for every team is I think like, and they need an on-ball defender that can really kind of guard one through three and hold his own and isn't going to cost too lot and doesn't really need or want the ball. And that's turned into right, where do we go you know, with, with this? But it's, uh, you know, that's now we'll see, you know, hopefully, hopefully 
you know, back healthy and looks pretty good. I'm, I'm a little worried. Uh, I started getting those Andrew Bogut like worries, like, man, he broke his elbow and that was never the same player again. Uh, and it's his left elbow and he's left-handed. So that's, you know, scary too. He was like my favorite target for so many teams. I had the new Orleans Pelicans was my favorite fit for him, but uh, yeah. And I was wondering if he was going to get the full non-taxpayers mid level from someone. And that's what would price him out of golden state. Do you have any really quick? Do you have any strong opinions on how you, uh, as of right now, we haven't heard anything about how the NBA is going to treat a Dylan Brooks, but a lot of people are of the mind like, oh, he should be suspended for how long Gary Payton II is out for. Do you fall like anywhere on one side of the fence on on this issue? Yeah, the suspended for how long the guy's out stuff that that's too far for me. I mean, that's you know, I I can't go there because I just. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details things happen right mm. it's i'm okay if he gets a game suspension because i do think you know it was what he did was completely unwarranted and may, may, maybe this you know says a lot about me and you know says i'm a bad person i would feel different if he wiped draymond green out because draymond's the one who wiped his guy out like but to just clobber gary payton the second had nothing to do with what happened to brandon clark in game one in completely get out of here if like anybody's like oh you know he might have been trying to make a play he wasn't making a play on the ball he blasted a guy in the head in the air like that's not you know and that wasn't even like hey it's funny because like people people like oh man you guys are so soft today kevin McHale closed on kurt ramos i was like yeah i know i watched it happen when it happened like that's the teams i grew up on and even then that was like oof. like and yeah they called a common file and moved on but here's the good thing we learn things as human beings that we shouldn't, you know, destroy each other. Uh, you know, hopefully, <laughs> you would hope. And it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's right, and it's one of those things where I think, like, it's like football, right? Like where people are like, oh, the game's soft now. They don't let guys hit anymore. Well, I, I'd rather if guys able to walk when they're forty-five and fifty years old and know their own name, than you know, sure. a big hit that makes the highlights. So, yeah, it's I, I'm all I'm fine if he gets a one-game suspension. Um, I get it. Then it turns into a whole what about isms of you know, mm-hmm. what about Draymond and all that. But yeah, suspending them for as long as uh, uh, Peyton is out, that's 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 too far for me. I can't can't cross that. Bridge. And there's just no precedent for it yet. It would no. all of a sudden just yeah. come out of the blue. I think that makes yeah. it tougher. Exactly. Look, this next team, I don't know if you notice that you're tra- or know that you're talking to apparently one of the foremost jokes in Minnesota Timberwolves circles, per my Twitter mentions. No. Uh, nice. Yeah, that's me, apparently. Well uh, because I thought, I think the Pelicans and Clippers are more likely to make the playoffs next year than the Timberwolves. So that means that I don't do my job or my research. <laughs> What's your biggest question for the, the Minnesota Timberwolves, though, heading into the offseason? So the big kind of overarching question is, what's next? 
because the last time they were in this position, they kind of fumbled it and it didn't go great. Now I realize Jimmy Butler basically lit everything on fire and then, you know, ran out of the building screaming. Like I, I get that, but it's, you gotta get this right from a personnel standpoint. It's, people are going way too far that I've seen some of the like, see, cat's not a winner. Like you got to think about that's ridiculous. Like stop. He's like, that's like just top some, 15 top it, 20 players. Yeah, like it's exactly. just, let's move on. He's ridiculously yeah. good. <laughs> Did he have kind of a bad series at times? Yes. Was his final game not good? A hundred percent. Like that There's, 35 foot three pointer he took early in the clock late. Like, that was just dumb. But that's part of the process is figuring that stuff out as you get to that stage. Um, they have a D'Angelo Russell problem. You can't have a $30 million player on your bench in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. It, that, that's just, it doesn't work. So you've got to figure out something with that spot. I'm not a Malik Beasley guy. Um, I could not be more of an Anthony Edwards guy. I think he is fantastic. Um, I love a lot of their role players. I, I thought they missed an opportunity. I wanted, was it game two maybe that they lost? It didn't play Jordan McLaughlin at all. Like that can't happen. You've got to have that guy needs to be out there. Um, So I really like him. I really like Jared Vanderbilt. I love McDaniels. I think he's, you know, uh, is going to be really something there. So I like a lot of their pieces. Patrick Beverly, it's hey, there's just too much Patrick Beverly sometimes. In games, yeah, I guess. like tweeting at home on the couch while watching players that are being eliminated that they didn't give up 47 to jobs. Yeah, Certainly. that was exactly. Yeah, my the comment I made on the live show was, Well, you tweeted this from the couch, dude. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and if I remember, you may not have given up 47, but it's not like John Morant didn't have some huge games in that series, too. Um, but I like him, like, I think he's good. I think clearly he was great for them mm-hmm. as a you know, tone setter, especially defensively, and you know, somebody who. I think it was good to have somebody to come in and challenge the the younger guys and say like, "Hey, you need like you need to do this, you need to do that." Because I think there was just too much comfort level with that. But it's that's I guess I don't have any one big question other than what do you do with D'Angelo Russell? Um, if you do move him, the, where does that leave you with Cat? Because we know that they're super close. Yeah. Like, but you at some point, you, I mean, you can be friends. I mean, LeBron's buddies up until uh you know later born on 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 all of his teams and like they're all buddies and doing their their things like and stuff so yeah i just you got to get that sorted and figure that out and i thought by the way i'm in love with jade mcdaniels as well he's great with you uh i d'angelo russell was better than he probably got credit for during the regular season the issue is as you mentioned being on the bench in the fourth quarter at, at a pivotal moment in the playoffs other than that it's just can you have 31 plus million dollars funneled into such a high variance player, whether it's the regular season or the playoffs? And the answer is no, uh, you just, you can't. And especially when maybe if he was sort of more of a lifeline for you offensively, and I get that he gets them into, he's like a connective tissue a lot of times for them on offense, but you have Anthony Edwards now, who is just that he's going to contend for like best player in the NBA at some point in his career, close to that tier. And so put the ball in his hands more. And I'm also more of an advocate of just put, I know there's, Cat's decision-making out of double teams could be wonky, but part of the reasons why it feels like he disappears or makes some poor decisions at times is that the offense isn't necessarily run through him no. as much as it should be. I agree. That's the inherent risk of having what your best player, or if you think Anthony Edwards has usurped him, I would push back against that, but having your best or second best player not be such a central focus of starting offensive plays. Like, yeah, he could finish them, but when you're more of a play finisher, you only have so much influence over what's yep. happening. Uh, I just don't know 
what you're able, like they could make an interesting package, but to me, the D'Angelo Russell, him being an expiring contract and a useful player, that does help you if you pair him with the word of this podcast stuff. But you get into the realm of like, do you want, like, who are you getting? And do you want to give up Jaden McDaniels in addition to picks to get said player? I, I look at this team and still think probably their biggest need is like maybe a cleaner fit at the four, just because Jared Vanderbilt can compromise your spacing a little bit. Do you want to play McDaniels at the four a ton? Uh, they're a good Jeremy Grant destination, I guess. Is that also how we're back to this question with Jeremy Grant extension looming, knowing the player he is like, is that someone who can be considered your all in play? And that was sort of my question is whether they have the, the asset equity and the urgency slash impetus to be like, not just super aggressive, but make that all in play on the trade market, assuming the opportunity even presents itself, or are they better off trying to do something in between where it's depending on what Sacramento does, Harrison Barnes would be great for this team as well. So I have so many questions for a roster that seems like it's so close on the cusp of something. Like if you have Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards, like there's an element of, wow, okay, you're so damn close. And it's like, but the finishing touches still feel like they're further away and that the roster could stand to get deeper and that some of the lineup combinations need to be ironed out a bit. And I do, I would cite, I call it the four, but I'm not a big fan of positions, but like that front court spot alongside Carl Anthony Towns feels like that might have the potential for the most growth, unless you think it's, you know, maybe the three spot, but like that three, four spot would be an area of the biggest need for me. Yeah. I think your point of do you make it an all in trade? And if you do, you better make the right one because you're, you're just, you, you run the risk of painting yourself into too much of a corner roster wise and flexibility wise, you could end up in a really bad spot. And that's where I think you've got to be really careful with the way you do this. And the, the best value in the NBA remains really great players on rookie scale deals, yeah. even when it's Anthony Edwards and it's the deal, one of the higher ones because, but that only lasts for four seasons. So you got to get it right. You know, before that's up, because then after that, he's going to be a max guy, potentially even a super max guy, you know, pending you know, where his career goes. I think there's very good chance. That's where that turns into. And then towns at the same time is going to be up for his next contract. And that's where you're running into. You got to get these next moves, right? Wherever it is. And, and I'm with you. I think there's two big needs here. One is a more traditional point guard that can just get you into your stuff. And maybe that's the guy who can tell cat, no more drifting out here. Don't set the screen and then slowly meander off to you know, the uh, the weak side corner like he tends to do and those kind of things. No, set the screen, roll hard, or get your butt in the post. Like, I'm going to get you the ball. We'll get that worked out. Challenge is Chris Paul exists one place, and that's Phoenix. So, you know, who else, right? Who who else can be that guy? Because it's, it's not Patrick Beverly. He can say those things, but he's not going to be the one who delivers the ball and gets it there. I do wonder – as odd as it sounds because he was a former wolf but like is there a play to be made to get a guy like tyus jones back and say you know what we can give him a bigger role let him do it now he's not necessarily that veteran voice but just a steady hand who can run your stuff get you guys where they need to be and do those kind of things um but it's guys like that that's where i'd be looking and i'm with you i'd like to see them get just a different kind of four out there, maybe somebody who can provide some weak side shot blocking alongside Towns or something like that. Somebody who can just kind of help him out and not not leave it to like, hey, you got to 
do the rim protection and all this other stuff. Um, and then that would allow Vanderbilt to go into like that kind of super sub big role where it's like just come in and play with a crap ton of energy, run all over the place and make stuff happen. Those are arguably my favorite kind of players in the league. Like I love guys like that because there's always a place for them on really good teams. I just think right now you're a little overextended uh, with Vanderbilt, despite the fact that I really, really like his game. So yeah, th- those would be the two roster things I was looking at, but that point guard, that's the tricky part. And maybe that's where the Russell trade comes up is, you know, getting that guy that, that can tell towns like, all right, man, Hey, we got to do this. And also just as importantly say, hey, we're going to run through through Ant right now, right? He's, He's going to be the guy we're going to run, you know, the next, uh, next 10 minutes or tonight or this series, whatever it is, like, he's going to be the guy you're still going to get touches and be involved. And I, I don't think Cat is the kind of guy who's going to bristle at that. I think he'd be okay. Right. I, I, I think he seems like the kind of guys like, are we going to win? Great. Cool. I'm good. Let's go. I don't think he's the kind of, he's got to be involved. Like he's not going to be content to just be out there, but yeah, that that's, that's what I'm looking for is who's that next guy to say, go because right now i think it's too many too many guys who all defer to each other <laughs> like it's it's a whole bunch of like no you go you go it's like coming to a four-way stop and everybody's like you go you go and then you're just kind of passing it around the the four-way stop and nobody actually goes it's like all right somebody has to take control here that's that's the way it should be i'm also wondering if they have the potential to make like the offbeat move of the offseason just when you look at the names they've been linked to over the past year like there was they were linked to loosely miles turner John Collins when he was headed into restricted free agency. And I'm guessing that Towns gives you a lot of flexibility up front, but it also seems like their defensive rebounding is it's an issue and it's something that they're mm-hmm. going to need to address. Uh, but they also seem to be very confident in the way that Chris Finch is going to coach their defense and how aggressive they are, the number of turnovers they're going to force um, that maybe they're more inclined than the numbers would suggest because they had the best offense in the league over like the past half of the season to go after to not lean in more into offense, but to maybe take a bigger risk where it's, oh, this feels like more of an offense first move or a way to change up the offense more so than it does to solidify some of the holes or flaws that you have on defense. I actually kind of respect that belief. I don't know if it works. We'd have to see, but it does seem like they're open to sort of whatever, just judging off of who and what they've been linked to even loosely in the past. I think sometimes they're in the NBA. There is too much of a rush to, to change the other side of the ball from what makes you special. And I just wrote about this with the New York Knicks. They were so good defensively, but what they did was we have to upgrade our offense. And by picking Evan Fournier and Kemba Walker, who are not good defenders, you didn't upgrade your offense enough to, to offset that slippage that you were no longer a super special defense. And that's where I'm kind of with you, where sometimes I think it's, it, it, we still, no, I mean, it's going to be 2040 and people are saying that defense wins championships. Right. <laughs> and it's like, there's truth to it. Sure. But like, how, who are the guys who make this wolves defense really, really good that they could get They're, They may not exist. So yeah, why not go lean more towards your offense? Like there's nothing wrong with that. Like it's, it's, you know, if you become such an unstoppable scoring team, it can be really hard then. It doesn't, it almost doesn't matter where your defense is as long as it's okay enough, you know, as long as it's 15 to 20 and not 25 to 30, you, you can be fine as long as you're, you know, top one, two, three defense or offense rather. So yeah, that's, I, I just, sometimes I feel like teams get too stuck on, we have to find this great balance 
when that great balance doesn't always exist. And that, and I know all the stats say you could have a top 10 defense and offense. If you want to win a championship and all that stuff, I get all that, but it's, you know, only one team's going to win the title. You know, for me, it's put yourself in position and maybe be that team and things break, right. It's not the end of the world. The next team might be my favorite team to watch during the off season. The New Orleans Pelicans. Yeah. What is your biggest question for them entering this summer? All right. I'm going to take the Zion one off the table because, it, it, I mean, it's Zion, right? Like, what happens? Like, how, can he play? Can you reincorporate him? Can, can everything – everything's Zion, right? Um, for me, it's – they have one free agent. <laughs> like, non-two-way guys. They have one free agent. Um, so, it's where, – where do they go with the rest of the roster? Because you've got – you kind of look at it and it's, I find it hard in their top 10, 11 guys to really look at somebody like, well, that's the spot I really want to upgrade. That's the one I want to replace. And again, this is all assuming Zion is, is there, Mm -hmm. but when you're, they're 5.8 million under the tax, they're, they're about, you know, 11.8 or so under the uh, apron. I, I, I look at it and I start to say, well, that's enough where you could, as long as you want to go into the tax or you feel like we can get out of a deal later if we need to, you can use that full mid-level, go get somebody. Because as we talked about a lot a while back is there's not a ton of cap space out there. So what turns into is the, the mid-level then has, that's real spending power. You can get something where in a market where five, six, seven teams have cap space. Basically, may not have that same spending power. So that's that's what I'm I mean, obviously it's 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 Zion, Zion, Zion. Fully get that. But if it's not him, what where are you going? But it's what is it that you need to upgrade? Because I I kind of like a lot of what they've already got in place. Yeah, and I'm with you. And look, they people will look at the record and say, Well, why are you expecting who jumped them? Why are they so good? They weren't even great after the season McCollum trade. They just took the best team in the NBA to six games. Devin Booker was missing, but hey, so was Zion for the Pelicans. And I think also, I was so impressed with how Willie Green had them hustling in transition on defense specifically after they started. Yeah. What was it, 3-16 and 16 or whatever. And the fact that you found Herb Jones and Jose Alvarado, them having another year of experience. I think this team adding Zion, and I'm, I'd be with you. I guess I won't. I've been told it's not a non-issue, but like he's not going anywhere. Like there's just, yeah, yeah. will he sign an extension or get the restricted free agency? To me, is the question, and I would probably lean towards some version of an extension. But so yeah, I'm with you that that's not the issue. I'm more like, well, what could this team be with him? And the two things that stand out, I think Zion with Ingram and C. McCollum gives you flexibility in the sense that you can change up your looks at the quote-unquote one. And I, they need a better option than Devontae Graham right now. Like just someone who's not shooting the ball as well as they used to and became a defensive liability, playoff liability for them big time. I also think, though, if you're going to be playing Zion Williamson, you need to upgrade like the rim protection element of your roster. And I know Pelican fans will tell me that Jonas Valanciunas is a better defender than credited and that he is technically a floor spacer at this point. I'll agree with all that. I know Jackson Hayes can be frenetic on the defensive end as well. I still think there's room to upgrade from there. A lot of people think maybe Larry Nance Jr. is just more of the answer and that you don't need to... I still said New Orleans should be in on a Miles Turner trade if he becomes or stays available. And I'll stand by that. If you don't want that, I'm in love with Larry Nance Jr. and the way he played. I got Danny Green to the Raptors throw-in vibes when he was just thrown into that C.J. McCollum deal with, with New Orleans. So they are set up, but it feels like if you can get, like, you know, we mentioned Gary Payton the second, even a Tyus Jones-type option at the one, like going from Devontae Graham to, to that... Um, is there a trade you could make where, look, you have this Lakers pick now. 
uh, and can you what can you attach to that? You have stackable contracts, even if they're not on players mm-hmm. um, that teams deem useful, or even if they're not on particularly high-end contracts like Devontae's Graham's deal is not aging too well at this point. So there are assets that they have and avenues to explore, and it feels like making an addition at that level, where if it's a Tyus Jones or if Gary Payton II is okay, or if you're able to make a trade to improve your rim protection, uh, or even just having another rim protective body on the roster to, to choose from, this could be like, I know the West is going to be hellacious next year, but this still feels like with his eye on, they could have top five in the league potential, uh, top five in the conference potential. And that then leads me to believe, and given who they were linked to last summer, when we all made fun of them for whiffing on Kyle Lowry and Chris Paul, it just feels like they're going to default to a sense of urgency, especially after that CJ McCollum trade. And I'm absolutely 100% unequivocally here for it. I'm with you on all but one thing. You do you said? I actually think Devonte Graham in the six-man scoring guard role can be pretty good. I, okay. I I think I think he's a little overmatched when you need a lot more out of him. Um, but now you've got McCollum. McCollum's going to clearly be the the point guard. I'm putting it in quotations because it's not right. He's not going to function that way necessarily traditionally, but he's going to be be the one in, in all terms. And, and what he'll really defend is the weaker of the two guards because Herb Jones will take the better of the two. Um, but you've got more than enough playmaking with Zion and Brandon Ingram um, on the floor. I think Herb Jones, that's probably the next thing. Everybody's focused on the shooting. I want to see him maybe take a Mikael Bridges like approach where can get three, four assists per game, you know, just off of the short roll and uh, making, you know, plays just kind of the, you probably not secondary, but like tertiary attacks, like, mm-hmm. you know, driving as the defense is scrambled and those kind of things. I, I mean, I'm with you. Miles Turner next to Zion fit seems like the like ideal world, right. For everybody, because he blocks shots, he, he shoots with range. He does all that stuff. Um, how you get there. I, I don't know, but yeah, I, I, I am. I'm with you too, where there's a lot of different things they can do. They've kind of that Garrett Temple contract that just kind of sitting there is, it's not really part of the rotation. I know he's a respected veteran in their locker room and all that, but now you've got CJ McCollum, you've got Valanchunas, you've got guys who can handle that part of it. You would hope. So, you know, is that where you go? And the the other thing, yeah, them snagging Nance in that deal was like, really? Like I, I, even right remember when that all kind of came down it was like they're getting McCollum and it was like all right I kind of don't hate this idea and then when it was like later it was like they're also getting Nance I was like wait now I love this for for New Orleans like yeah and yeah and then you've got that Lakers pick sitting out there like what if that pick what if you have lottery luck and that ends up a top three or four pick in this draft you don't even need to use it if you're the Pelicans you could turn around and trade it right and say no I want player x y and z because yeah because you've got those stackable deals you know then you can you can get there to go get a you know 20 30 million dollar player with relative ease so I mean as much as it looked bad early like there and that's also something you said too Willie Green getting this group to just play and just they could have very easily said this is sucks it's all gone sideways zion is a plan forget it we're done but just playing 
night after night, playing hard, getting after it. So big. I mean, that's why they were able to even make the playing tournament. And then you know, winning from there, you know, big. I think they nailed the coach hire with him. I I think this team is really set up to make that big jump uh next year. And and maybe that's low-hanging fruit because Zion will be back, but I don't know how low-hanging fruit that really even is. And the, the final thing I'll add here is that if they're not going to go like we want the better rim protection right around Zion, I'd like to probably see them pick up a bigger wing to just encourage more of the smaller looks with Nance on the court. You know, you have yep. Trey Murphy, the third, you have Herb Jones. Uh, is this a team that could take a flyer on if he's healthy? TJ Warren might just be interesting to help facilitate those type of units. That would not be, I prefer the rim protection route. Uh, and that's, that was a great point on Devonte Graham is that you could maybe argue that he was miscast. Um, I would probably still, I think, Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in, these deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Yeah, him in a six-man role makes so much sense. But I would still keep an option open, like, if you could change up the looks at the one. But, yeah, that's yeah. He's, he's not yeah. on a deal that's backbreaking. So that's a great point. Him in a six-man role is completely different. Uh, but, look, you can't take minutes away from Jose Alvarado now. Like, that's just – no. Sure. Yeah. But, but that's the nice thing, right? Because if all of a sudden, if you're sitting in like, all right, you know what? We have enough bench scoring. We've got enough depth at the one. Graham's contract is not so bad. Teams would look at that and say, all right, yeah, we can get him in and bring him in here and make him work. It's our scoring bench option because you nailed that Alvarado fine, you know, undrafted two way and then onto the roster. Like they, they, you know, that's, that's great. You know, when you can pick those guys off and then we didn't even mention them, but I think Trey Murphy is going to make a big jump next yeah. year. I think I think you're going to see it took a long time for them to use him this year. And I, I remember just so many Pelicans fans like, play Trey Murphy. What is going on? Please play him. Please play him. I tend to trust coaches. No, right? They see these guys every single day. So they know. But when he finally was ready, and I think a lot of it was, he didn't know anything what he was doing defensively. He was such a train wreck early in the year defensively. When he finally started to figure out, all right, this is the way we want to play. Hey, you got something there is at least, you know, that's a big time bench shooting option. And that's something every good team is is looking for. Now the Pelicans don't have to find it. They've already got it. And I think it says a lot about how intriguing this team is that we just didn't even mention, like, what if there's a bounce back year from Najee Marshall and yeah. what happens if Kyra Lewis is just healthy? Is he still, mm-hmm. they have a lot of different things they could do. I think again, they're, they're like my one, one of the three teams I'm going to be watching the most this off season, our final two. And this is another team that I I'm emotionally attached to for some reason. I have no idea why, but over the past like three or four years, right before the Kawhi Leonard trade, I just developed an emotional attachment to the Toronto Raptors. What is your biggest question for them entering the offseason? What is the plan, I guess, long term to make this sustainable? Because, 
yeah, it sounds cool to have all these dudes who are six foot seven through six foot nine with super long arms. Does it really work? Like, does that fit? You know, where are we going with this? How do you, how do you change an upgrade? Do, do you need more of a uh, true old school five presence? I, I tend to doubt it, but I also think you're asking an awful lot of Pascal Siakam if you're going to ask him to play the five. 82 games and then be fresh and ready for the, for the playoffs. I just, I just think that that's a big ask. Um, but yeah, just what, what is the, the plan? Now I say that with very little skepticism because I, there's no GM in the league. I trust more to figure it out than Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster and that, that front office staff there. And I also will say when, when is the next time Masai takes the home run cut? Cause it's coming. Mm-hmm. We, we know it's coming. He's, 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 building he's stacking pieces he's he's it, it, it's coming i don't know that it's this off season but but it, it, it's coming and it's coming soon he is gonna you know no nobody will you know go for go for it all more than than he will like he and, and he has that cachet to do it and knowing if he misses well that's all right we'll just you know re, re, retool around it and figure it out after so but but it's it's coming there's there's gonna be somebody who's gonna pop and he's gonna go get him that's you know that the way you phrase it that's i should rephrase my question which was what is the barrier most separating them from becoming a fringe title contender or re-entering that fold i had shooting more of a like another half court initiator because they clearly need that or is it the raptors desire to even bust through that barrier for the time being to where they might be content let's see if scotty barnes can become that half court initiator still we have pascal siak and we have fred van fleet Precious Achua came along during the middle of the season after not starting the year all that well. We still have Gary Trent Jr. They're a very good team. They were just top five in the Eastern Conference. They could very well be just as high, if not better than that, next season without doing anything wholesale to the roster. I still would like to see them. I'm totally, I don't think they need a traditional big with the way that their roster is built right now. They are my least favorite or among my least favorite Rudy Gobert destination. Yeah, I don't like that idea either. Uh, I would like to see them add at least more dependable shooting. Or like I said, it does feel like having just the Occam and Fred Van Fleet as your primary half court options with asking, you know, it was, I think it was great experience in the regular season that Scotty Barnes was running some crunch time sets. Uh, you can try and extend OG Ananobi and Gary Trent jr. Uh, off the dribble. I still think they need like, even if it's just someone to come off the bench to serve as that role, because it doesn't look like they believe it's Malachi Flynn. It feels someone along those lines would make a doesn't have to be a star, but it feels like someone along those lines would make all the difference in the world for a team that is just already terrifying. Yeah, that top five there is really good. They've got to firm up their depth going into next year because it's just not good. Like that's that killed them in the first round. Cause you once Van Vliet was hobbled and then out, and then Trent being kind of more or less kind of out for a little bit you really that that got exposed the 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 depth is just not there so yeah figure that depth part of it out and and go because yeah that that top five it's funny too because for a long time i was like i was like oh gee man that's that's the guy there's no way they could ever move him now i'm like is he the guy who goes because right you've you've got scotty barnes like i'll quick aside on scotty barnes so i don't live very far from montverde academy so i pop over there when i can to to check that team out 
I saw him and I was like, holy crap, this dude is, he's going to be an NBA player um, when he was still in high school, because it just, you could just see it. It's like this guy, he, he was, he just got it. He was so damn competitive, um, you know, at that level. And that's, that's a team that, you know, I mean, they, they, it, I don't say this, you know, with, with a lack of respect, but they could beat a lot of low level division one college teams as a high school team. Cause they're, they're just that good. I mean, and that's not like the whole, like could Kentucky beat the worst NBA team, like stuff that goes on. Why I feel confident saying that is every kid from Montverde goes on to play high level division one basketball. So it's not like every kid from Kentucky makes it into the NBA. Um, but, but that's a whole other thing, but you could just see, I saw it with him right away. Like, and I, I was a little surprised that they went with him for as their, was, their pick. I was so, um, I was so high and still am on Jalen Suggs, but I am too. Really made the right I, yeah. Yeah. I really like Suggs, but yeah, but they made the right decision. He just fits what, what they're trying to build there. So yeah, get, get your depth sorted while kind of keeping everything ready to go for whatever the next big move is. I think that's where this is headed. I also question there, I guess because you have an OG Ananobi or if you deem Fred Van Fleet expendable for some reason, I don't think you would. And then you have Gary Trent Jr. Just they're not owed. They already traded away like their own first this year. Mm-hmm. They don't have like a ton of these extra firsts. And so I would question their ability and, and willingness by extension to go after such a large acquisition now, because it yeah. feels like it's going to take two of your mission critical players. And I think some people might say that Pascal Siakam's available in the right trade offer. You probably say the same thing for like all but 10 guys in the league. So that yeah. doesn't really hold weight to me. He's as close to completely untouchable as you would have after the season. He just turned in. And that's why I expect them to continue along this gradual path. But if they could even just do something like slightly on the margins and there's like no names that spring to mind, I thought, and I know how free agency works that Toronto doesn't typically bag them. They were with their mid-level to me, like a super interesting Victor Oladipo team. Um, I just don't know whether he wants to go to Toronto. No offense. Toronto seems like a great city, Uh, but a a move of that caliber where it's not a home, maybe it's like a double as opposed to a single uh, feels like it would really position them to make even more of a ruckus in the East next year. Yeah, no, I'm with you. There, there's a lot of different guys that, that, again, a team that could, you know, pick some guys off maybe and and find find some stuff. I think um, they 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 did so well in the draft for a number of years, the back end, and then Van Vliet is, you know, kind of the 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 um, you know um, you know big find for them. Uh, then it there's been some misses in the recent years, like Malachi Flynn hasn't popped the way I think they'd hoped. And, and that happens, you know, and that's not a, you know, big criticism. Nobody's perfect in the draft there, especially when you're picking quite often in the twenties, it's, it's hard to nail all those picks, but, but it just shows when you don't, those guys don't develop into the assets you want. And then it then becomes a little bit harder to make those deals without throwing in one of your big uh, ticket guys, because that it's just, those are the guys who carry the value, but yeah, I'm with you. I think, I don't think it's this year, but it's, it's coming. Eventually they're going to make that big, big play in there. And it'll be probably like it was with Kawhi. It'll be somebody who's not overly interested in being where they're at. And the Raptors will say, you know what, we'll bring you in. And and if it's a one or two year thing, so be it, we'll, we'll go compete for a title and then we'll, we'll reset and go after it. I don't think they have any problem with, with doing it that way. They also obviously need to resign Chris Boucher because to do so would be unforgivable. And I'd be <laughs> that that went without saying. He's going to be a hot free agent, I think. I think there's going to be a lot of teams pushing for him because I think a lot of teams are going to look at like, hey, this guy can you know come off your bench, play the four or the five, 
uh, with range, rim protection. Like that's, I mean, nobody loves bigs that can block shots and shoot more than you know everybody in the NBA right now. So you know, he's definitely, I think, think going to be a free agent target for a handful of teams. He would be my two favorite fits from outside of Toronto were Charlotte. And then I'm not sure if he provides enough shooting now, but if New Orleans is going to go like the, we don't need to go after this high end route. I'd like to, Chris Boucher's eye on the court at the same time. I'll take that frenetic energy all sure. day. Our final team, also probably our most combustible team. I think we would agree. <laughs> the Utah Jazz. What is your biggest question? I feel mean asking you to limit it to the biggest question because I'm sure we all have, dozens upon hundreds upon thousands of questions about the jazz is it time to blow it up and you know does related kind of subset of that is is that what danny Ainge at this point in his nba life does he want to do that does he want to fully restart again um with just got there and i know people will say well Dwayne wade Dwayne Wade is a very, very small minority owner, does not have say over personnel decisions. Like, let's just stop with that. Like, he's not going to be, you know, he may come in and be like, hey, we're trading, trading Donovan Mitchell. Like, I don't think that's good. And Danny Ainge is going to be, yes, we're trading Donovan Mitchell. Like, he, Danny Ainge is running the show there. Um, but it's, are they going to, is it time to blow it up? Or do you make one more run at retooling around the Mitchell Gobert combo and, and go forward that way? I tend to lean more towards the latter. Um, I, I do think we're going to see them make one more run with trying to rebuild it around them um, versus really kind of going all in and blowing it up. But I do think part of what that, that equation will be, it'll be one more run with those two guys under a new head coach and then see where it works. So I think Quinn Snyder's done there. I agree with you on Quinn Snyder. I'm just questioning if you're going to make the one more run, why stand basically so pat at the trade deadline? To me, that sort of implied a lack of faith in this core and that some sort of a breakup was inevitable, whatever it it mm-hmm. was. And I think they're good enough to where as many problems as they had, if you would have made that type of a trade, and get, I know they would have to trade distant first-round picks, 2026 is the first one available for them. The windows in the NBA are just so slim. And this year with the Nuggets and the Clippers sort of out of it, like that arguably would have been the time to do it and to not do it makes me think that they are going to skew toward wholesale changes. And I had, I knew we were going to have the same question. And I said it to you when you were looking at including Quinn Snyder, just their entire core of Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, Jordan Clarkson, Boyan Bogdanovich, Mike Conley, Royce O'Neal. If you set the over under of like 2.5 of those guys being gone before next season, would you take the over or the under on that? I would take the over. I just don't know that it's going to be the two guys everybody thinks. Like I, I, I do think it's so my experience of, you know, 20 years, basically of Danny Ainge uh, running the team <laughs> I cover most closely is a lot of there's no during those 20 years. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. There is no, um, it's not, it's not a sense of loyalty uh, that he lacks because there is loyalty, but there's no sentimentality. There is no like this. It even less. So he didn't draft any of these guys. He mm-hmm barely signed any of these guys and he traded for almost none of their main guys. So for him to come in and say, yeah, Hey, go, this guy's out of here. Go we're doing this. We're doing that. I mean, that's how he started his Celtics tenure. He came in and the media was like, see you later, Antoine Walker. And everybody's like, wait, what? Like that's, you know, Antoine Walker. And then, then, you know, I mean, he did it. He, this is the guy who 
very well, I think almost loves that he went and told Red Auerbach, you're crazy for not trading Burden McHale and extending you know, your window past this. And it's like, that's complete blasphemy in Boston. Like, trade Burden McHale? Like, what are you thinking? But that's just how he thinks. He It's all about winning a championship and what puts us closest. So it would not surprise me at all if we're, you know, having a conversation, you know, four months from now on the, you know, beginning of training camp about how like, man, I don't, who are these guys in Utah? And they've got, you know, 700 draft picks moving forward. Like that wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, if that's the direction this goes, I just, I, I, I just, something tells me they're going to give it one more go with Mitchell and Gobert, but with kind of, if they can, all different pieces around them because someone will talk themselves into Mike Conley will be better for us. Like, and we need, you know, where we talked about Minnesota, if you're Minnesota and you're like, you know, we need that veteran point guard who can just kind of set us and get us there. Could they talk themselves into, yeah, Mike Conley's good. And if you're the jazz, could you be like, yeah, maybe D'Angelo Russell would be okay. Like, you know, scoring, he's not an age guy. So that's not a perfect fit by any means, but, but like that's, yeah, someone will talk themselves into Mike Conley and, and, and we'll see, but I, I just, something tells me they're going to give it one more run around those two. You know, it's actually you kind of just talking me into that was I kind of thought if you were going to move one of Rudy Gobert or Donovan Mitchell, you might as well move both of them because you're not going to get better in that in either situation. There's I just I will not I know Rudy Gobert has his limitations on offense, but you're just not going to talk me into the jazz being better. And so if you give it one more shot it makes it Donovan Mitchell's trade value still final of two more guaranteed years left on his deal. You also see I would also argue that he is. I know some people, and I was going to throw this to you, have posed the idea of what if you just rebuild or retooled around Gobert instead of Donovan Mitchell? I just can't talk myself into a scenario where that happens yeah. when you look at Gobert's age and how if you trade Mitchell, regardless of what you think of Mitchell, he is your number one. If you don't think he could be the number one, you trade Mitchell, now you need a one and a two is what you're saying because like you're, you're starting from scratch there. And just given the age timeline, the fact that we don't see these mid-20s players uh, so early in their rookie scales become available – I would be staunchly against going that route. If you're going to trade Mitchell, you might as well trade Gobert. And maybe it becomes easier to go the super seismic path if you give it one more go. And it's, okay, look, we tried. Uh, there will be two more years left on Rudy Gobert's. Well, three more years after next year. You know, yeah, three more years after next year, Donovan Mitchell will be a free agent in two years with that player option. Maybe that's when you you make that call. I personally, though, I'm prepared for anything in Utah this offseason with the exception of an actual Donovan Mitchell trade because that just feels so far-fetched relative to what we know about how these players contracts um end up panning out throughout the course of history yeah and i also think this is where the age factor comes into he has historically built teams around a good um on-ball point guard or at least on-ball guard um without a lot of concerns, even if the guy is considered to be undersized or not, whether that was, you know, uh, Rondo or kind of early on, uh, you know, when he rebuilt the Celtics and then uh, Kyrie and Kemba Walker and Isaiah Thomas, like he was content to, you know, build teams around that, 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 so yeah, I don't think Mitchell's the one who, who goes, if anybody's going to go this summer, it's going to be Gobert. Mm -hmm. um, I, I feel very confident in that. And, and I think that's one too. We, we mentioned a couple teams, but there are teams that'll say like, Oh, yeah. Hey, this we're bringing him in. This is a, you know, 
every year he's a top, you know, defensive player of the year candidate. And we, he's going to be the new backbone of our defense. And we're going to set everything around, you know, what he does defensively and blah, 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 blah. And that's why that becomes easy. So I think um, trading Mitchell is weird. I, I tend to think if you traded Mitchell and kept Gobert and you got the Mitchell trade, right, you can build a really good team um, around Rudy Gobert. If you trade Gobert and keep Mitchell, as long as you dig in, you got to get the right kind of guys, you could potentially still build a great team. I just think that's the, the difference. I think Mitchell is a guy who can be the, the star, the leader of a great team. And I think Gobert is the guy who can kind of be the star, the leader of a really good team. But maybe the answer is just keep them both together and find the right players around them. And you can be a great team then too. Yeah, I, it's just, it, we're running out of time, right? Like it's, it's like, it's you at most, this has one more year of shelf life under a new coach. And you know, that's how everything feels fresh and off we go. But if it doesn't work after one more year, then it's, it's, it's out. And it's, and then you run the risk of now you wasted another year of Mitchell and he's going to be upset and you do lose him in two years. Like that's where you, you got to balance, you know, what's good for us today versus what's good for us tomorrow versus a year from now versus two years from now. That's the, you got to be looking at all the time horizons. My final question here is just, do you think that, Rudy Gobert's contract where it's basically four years and 170 left on it after this year. Do you think that adversely impacts his trade value? Uh, just because by seeing a team like the Mavericks link so heavily to him, I'm looking at what the Mavericks best package is, and it's what well, this year's pick 25, 26, whatever it is. And then 2025 and 2027, like, are, like, do you want those long distant first round picks? And the other issue there is, are the jazz even looking to fully reset if they're moving Gobert? Are they trying to remain competitive around Donovan Mitchell immediately? Because that would make a package that Dallas can offer, I would argue, much less attractive. And so what do you think would happen if they wind up moving Gobert? Are we going to be shocked at how little he goes for, or are people just generally underrating what his market will be? He gets more of the latter. I, I, I think there is still, I mean, this guy still wins defensive player of the year or is in contention for it every season. And I don't see why that would necessarily change at least over the next two or three years. Um, yeah. You can't bring him in and be like, here's our you know, great two-way star. Right. Cause it's just not what he is offensively. But I think a lot of other teams would look at him and be like, yeah, this dude gives team USA all sorts of problems on offense in the Olympics. Like why can we not, you know, get him and just get him the ball on the roll and lobs and all those other things. So that's where, you know, I, I think that some team will buy in and he'll go for a you know pretty good package of stuff. Um, I also, though, if I was the jazz, I would not be upset if, you know, I could get picks, you know, three, four years down the line um, now, maybe even five or six, because I do think there's potential that when Gobert goes, as far as like ages out, mm-hmm. it's just going to go quick and it's going to be done. Um, you know, he's going to fall into the you know, realm of, you know, he, he's just a backup who can do some stuff, you know, it's just kind of how guys like him go. So I would not be too afraid of taking on longer term assets because then all of a sudden, unless that's a team that can really flip and reset very quickly, like, like the Lakers can, you know, if I'm not saying there's a trade to be made there, but if, if it like, if it's a team like that, then I don't know that I want, you know, picks, you know, that are five, six years out, but if I can get them from another team that, you know, might struggle a little bit to reset things. Yeah. I'm content to, to, to go that direction for sure. And I guess Danny Ainge would be the type of CEO that would make that deal i mean we've seen them prioritize distant picks in the the past yeah they'll be they'll be mega interesting for the offseason keith thank you so much for giving us 90 plus minutes on this podcast are you able to tell 
our fantastic listeners where they can find you and all the great work that you do. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Keith Smith NBA. I'd be forewarned, I'd tweet a lot. Um, but uh, you can find my written work um, at Spot Track. We've got uh, right now, we've got off season uh, team uh, outlooks going up uh, pretty much three, four a week uh, right now until, until we'll get there. And then as teams get eliminated from the playoffs, we'll start picking those ones up. We're still still working our way through the lottery teams right now. Um, and then if you're, for whatever reason, looking for super Celtics-specific coverage, Celtics blog is part of SB Nation. And then if you like this kind of stuff, talking about trades, transactions, and all, all that stuff, uh, NBA Front Office Show, uh, that's our YouTube show with Trevor Lane and I. It's also a podcast version. Check that out. We have a lot of fun. We, we get into a lot of different stuff there and a lot of uh, just deep NBA talk. I highly recommend following Keith. ton of followers already, but I love watching you tweet through Celtics games. That's one of my favorite <laughs> things in the timeline during during Celtics games. Keith, thank you so much. And as I'm sure you know by now, I'll be pestering you again in the future. So thanks for giving me so much of your time. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.